You are listening to The Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kale was walking around on stilts. It was fucked up. I like to spice our pee bottle. Hi, uh, my name is Feedy. And my name is Dave. Now you're watching. This, listening. You're listening to the Thundercling Podcast. 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 Brought to you by Dave's Mother's Home Cooked Chili C- Dog Burgers. <laughs> Those are delicious. She's more of a fried chicken gal, but okay. that's all right. Yeah, maybe, I'm a little, maybe I was wrong. So, uh... Once again, this weekend, I, I'm sure all of our listeners know what you did, but if you'd like to rehash what happened this weekend, maybe maybe we could start the podcast off with a little uh, dive into I went Phoebe's to, personal I life. I went to Roy, and I fucking sent, bro, and Whoa. I'm the best climber ever. Whoa, really? Yeah. Holy cow. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and a less annoying <laughs> note, it was nice to go and climb and climb something that I would consider hard for me. Before my in- injury, and you're you've been injured for five months. Basically, yeah. our, enti- our the entire journey of this podcast yeah. has been you got injured right before we started doing this podcast. Yeah, and now I'm coming out. You're back to kind of like your strength baseline. Yeah, with seemingly. much more improvement to I, come. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, if you're the best <laughs> climber in the world, I guess you don't have far to go. Yeah, no, no, it's your peak. There's an end. And why'd you go to Roy then? We went to Roy for our friend John Kalantar's birthday. Uh, happy birthday, John! Which if you, if there's any really like organic climbing, if you're listening, like someone sponsor this guy. He why isn't John sponsored? I don't know. Be- he's a fucking secret crusher. Like he'll walk up to your project and float it, just campus it. I hate those guys. Though if I owned a company, I would never sponsor somebody like that, <laughs> especially with this weight weight to strength ratio. It just makes me feel bad. Yeah, he's one. Yeah, we were talking about how he will climb something. You're like, oh, that looked fucking easy, dude. And you, then you you try and you're like, oh, that's <laughs> so. Oh. I can't do that I first move that uh, he made look. Yeah, so easy. It just, it just sells you completely on on the feasibility of the movement. Do you know what you need to do to get that strong, Feedy? If I could lose. 50 pounds, I bet I could actually probably climb like John, but I would be dead. You would literally weigh like, what, 105 pounds? Yeah, I would be dead. That would be awesome. You could also train. Dude. So I got to ask you a question. I really yeah. I really don't know. Um, do you train? Do you like training in I the gym? Actually do you have had, a program? I did have, a, I followed the Anderson Brothers book one uh-huh. time when I was coming back of my last series of serious injuries where I was just struggling to come back into climbing and not injure myself. So I took the mm-hmm. approach of following like a regimented schedule and like making sure I did all the prehabs, like one month of just arcing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It fucking worked. Like I was able Whoa. to start climbing again. It kind of like wasn't my favorite necessarily, but there was an aspect to it that I really enjoyed, which is just walking into the gym with more of a purpose than just like, I'm going to climb around for fun. You're kind of a social butterfly though. Do you find that that gets in the way of like when people are like, Hey, Feedy, oh, you yeah. work at the gym. You're trying to it's train. So and so hard. you know, everybody that is always a struggle. Like now is just like, if I walk into a gym, it takes me 30 minutes to sit down and like 
put my shoes on because it's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, like, did you climb somewhere this week? You are, so you're not only the strongest climber mm-hmm. now after yes. your Roy trip that's been certified. Yeah. I was like a cocoon. I just erupted from, wow. from my cocoon. And you're also the most popular climber yeah. as well? Yeah, I am. It seems like things are going really, they're on the up and up for you. I, I feel like it's a new Luke you're kind of glowing right now. I am. <laughs> Dave, I actually want to talk to you about this uh, maybe <laughs> off the show, but I think that the Thundercling doesn't necessarily need <laughs> two hosts. me. doesn't need two wait. hosts. And I just. Wait a second. I just feel like we're, as a company, but, we aren't. Where the career path, the podcasting field, it looks like we're focusing more towards uh-huh. individual but, hosts, and it doesn't look like you're gonna have a I, future here. Um, is you this have until the end of March? And I think I get till the end of March. Yeah, but fucking score. I, hey, hey, but if oh. I notice a decrease in quality, uh-huh. like we're gonna obviously talk about that. Okay, now don't <laughs> companies usually make money? Are we really a company? No, sorry, I was maybe just projecting a little bit of my own. <laughs> experiences from the past two weeks because uh <laughs> um, i, I might have gotten fired but it's fine oh you did yeah you did get canned yeah that's pretty much uh, what i said to you is pretty much what they said to me <laughs> so <laughs> um would you like to now that you've said that would you like yeah. to talk you didn't get fired from your job but you got a part of your job was taken from you oh i was i was fired but you still work there yeah but not like not in the same capacity well, I was, yeah, I was a root setter and now I'm not. And why did that happen? Were you uh, setting things that were so difficult because now you're the mm-hmm, best climber in the mm-hmm. world that people were just turned off by your routes? That probably is a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. They fired me because they apparently don't want part-time setters and I'm part-time. They don't think I can handle the load. Full time, they want full time, but they didn't even ask me if I wanted to, so they've made the choice for me. No, it's a brave thing to say on these airwaves, man. We literally have millions of listeners Mm -hmm. that you just oh, I've got you know how I I challenged Cedar Wright to the wrestling match, yeah. I'm rethinking who I'm challenging. Oh, but I won't say it on air. Oh my god, the gauntlet has been thrown down. It's more like just the salt in me is like overflowing, yeah. uh, well, we went from really, really positive, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to some pretty fucking scratchy areas here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little sore. I'm sorry, guys. That's all right, man. I'm, well, you what still... if, tell me about your training. I've been talking about myself way too much. Um, that's not, no, that's not true. Everybody loves listening to you. I'm the guy that people are not gonna like on the podcast. You are the one who's like, I love when Feedy talks. He's so fun. He's a good guy. Um, I do not train. Mm. I fucking hate training and it i feel bad about it. i'm conflicted since we've been hanging out more dave um here's my perspective of your climbing it's six days in a row on and then three weeks off because your injury my, flares up i throw out my back your back throws out and then you come back to the gym though and you still like maintain your strength so you're just been you've been idling you've been stuck in a stuck yeah in neutral yeah i um I just so climbing to me, like I was I was kind of like an athlete growing up, and then after college I didn't I didn't have anything. I mean, what yeah. am I gonna do? Go fucking play professional football at <laughs> five eight and one sixty five? I don't think so. Um, so I didn't. I was casting about, and I found climbing, and it was like such a joyous experience yeah. to me. And I wasn't like cutting weight anymore. Yeah. I didn't have to go to practice. I didn't take ground balls. There was like it was just. I could just go out and have fun and climb. 
So as you get better, of course, you s- start dissecting ways to like turbocharge yeah. your, your peaking. Mm-hmm. You want to keep getting better and you want to keep getting better faster. So I dabbled around with training in my early days, but I just, it's not fun for me. And climbing, when I found it, was such like, I was like, oh my God, I found something I can do for the rest of my life. I don't need need to be on a team. Yeah. I don't have a coach. Nobody's telling me what to do. And so I've always fought pretty hard against training. Yeah. I don't like, the campus board gives me tendonitis. (laughs) The moon board, the kilter board... The tension board are my mortal enemies. I hate mm-hmm. them. They make me feel weak, and I don't really know how to use them, so I'm I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm also afraid. Um, and I just don't I don't like doing four-by-fours. I just like going and climbing. Yeah. And I compensate that, like you said, by just climbing like six days a week. <laughs> well, luckily, the guests we had on for this week's episode would have a few things to say about what you just said in terms of training, since he is... That's my phone. <laughs> I should probably turn that off. Um, Since he's a trainer. And a coach. And a coach. And really good one, in fact. Yes. We have a nationally renowned coach Dave Wall on today. And this dude has coached people. Daniel Woods, Sasha DeJulian, Chelsea Rude. Kyra Condi, uh, Rob Pism, Madeline Sorkin, Mercedes Palmier. He's like, at least I feel like worked with most high-level competitive athletes in that are live or come through Colorado. And he's like, doing it. He's been doing it for like 20 years. Yeah. And so this was fun for us because you do train, and ish. I hate training. <laughs> yeah, you train-ish. I hate training. But, man, there were so many nuggets of wisdom. Yeah, Dave's that, a smart guy. That, yeah, Dave Wall. Dave Wall. <laughs> Dave Wall <laughs> is a smart guy. Goes on um, the thing that he said, you guys, you're going to love this. When, he, when you're sit down to do your – fucking 170 <laughs> crunches and then do your planks and then do your antiquated sit-ups at some point in this interview you're going to hear him talk about that and it is going to change the whole yeah. dynamic and paradigm of how you train um yeah i was stoked man what an interesting fascinating conversation yeah what he's a good smart boy. dude i like him should we take it to uh mr wall let him have it. Let him have it. But yeah. also, by the way, I mean, what I said about the podcast in March, I, I, I did that's, that. That yeah. is serious. I'll try. I'll work harder, yeah. Feedy. I'll, I'll work no, double no, no, time. No, no. It's, I'll, it doesn't I'll matter. Podcast six days a week, just it's like climbing. Feedy's thunder claim now. Feedy's thunder. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I, but I, but I just want to be a part of it, man. like yeah i just go to this gym after class and then uh i was like what do you like to lift weights or bench because i'm down on that <laughs> yeah. dude i'm like yo <laughs> that sounds pretty sweet bro because <laughs> i'm good at that yeah exactly he's like no it's like it's a climbing gym i was like what what do you mean easy yeah he's like yeah they they make like these plastic holds and they they put them up on the wall I was like, what? You can't even envision it. Yeah, no, I didn't even know. I had no idea what he was talking about. And so we went to Paradise Rock Gym. And it was like uh, 1996. And then I think Paradise was like 
sixty second in Washington. Fifty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you t- exit fifty eight, yeah. but but you go over in the industrial district. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I got smoked on five seven top ropes. Yeah, man. Paradise. My my bicep curls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't my chest work when I'm climbing? Yeah. Um, that gym to to this day is my favorite climbing gym of all time. Just the vibe oh, yeah. that was there was unimpeachable. It was, rad, yeah. it was so yeah. fucking great. It was such a tight community. Yeah. That's where I met you. Yeah. All right. So this you're, is a long time ago, Feedy. I was three years old. Yeah, Petey wasn't even thought of yet. Well, I hope you were thought of a little bit if you were three years old. I was neglected until I was 16. 96. So that was, what, 22 years, 23 years ago. Yeah. So you were four. Yeah. That's right. So, and it just took hold. You had the fish hook in. Well, I felt like I was a decent athlete at most of the things that I had done in my life. I was, uh, I raced motocross when I was a kid from the time I was, uh, very young until I was 16 and I was decent at that. And then I was decent at high school football and I was decent at powerlifting. And then once I got my feet under me, I was decent at skiing. And then I started climbing and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I, this is unbelievable. Like, it just didn't make sense to you. Everyone is better than me. <laughs> everyone, in, including my girlfriend, who has never done any athletic activity in her life. <laughs> everyone is better than me. And I was, I just couldn't understand it. And it was just blowing so it was my like mind. a puzzle for you. Yeah, it was just, it drove me crazy, but I liked, I liked the movement of like pulling, but like a lot of guys, I, I could do a lot of pull-ups because I had been in the weight room and, mm-hmm. you know, pull-ups were a thing, right? <laughs> right. So, so to me, like if I could do more pull-ups, then I'd be a mm-hmm. better climber. Yeah. And when you're climbing like five, seven, five, eight, you know, more pull-ups, if that's how you're climbing... We'll be, then, we'll yeah, be, it'll yeah. benefit you for a minute. Yeah. If you stick around that kind of five, seven, five, eight <laughs> yeah. grade, yeah, keep yeah. doing your yeah. cranking off like two hundred pull ups a day. Yeah. Be an awesome five eight. So climber. where was your where was your breakthrough of like, wait a second, brute force here isn't <laughs> isn't the key. At Paradise Rock Gym. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because at at the point where you go into a gym, you're like, wait a minute, this twelve year old girl who can't do one pull up is crushing me on everything. And I was like, uh, you know, my mind was exploding. So I'm like watching this girl and she's using her feet and using her hips. And it still didn't like really compute, but, uh, I would say it's something that I'm decent at is, uh, watching motion and either emulating that motion or knowing, Mm -hmm what happened. So for example, uh, when I was on ski patrol, I at some point started racing and I was decent at racing. Uh, but moguls were a challenge for me. And there was a guy on ski patrol who was a competitive mogul skier. And I asked him like, how do you do that? Like you're moving so fast. And he was like, I don't know. I just (laughs) do it. 
Well, that's, in, that's instructive. <laughs> yeah, but th- this is, uh, I think, one reason why amazing climbers might not be the best coaches. Because a lot of motion for elite athletes is automatic. Just intuitive. Yeah, they, they don't think about it. Yeah. And so uh, for me, I had to think about every step from the very beginning. Yeah. Like, I'm going to place my foot here, not heavy. I'm not going to drag my foot down. I have to place it quiet, you know, and then just learning like a hundred things, you know, whereas uh, for someone who started climbing when they're 10, tons of it just happens automatically, which is perfect. That's the best way to learn. You for you, it'd be like throwing a football. You know, you just, you don't know how you throw a spiral. Yeah, you just do it. As a Midwestern kid who played football, you're like, I just, I just do it. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody well, yeah. just walks up and grabs a football for the first time. Like, how do you yeah. do that? In, in sports science, you say uh, this is a, a, a European analogy because Europeans don't play American football. Yeah. So they don't throw that much. So they have, uh, for a European to throw is like throwing with your left arm. Yeah, you don't have external rotation in your shoulder. So, if you throw with your left arm, you're tight. It looks it, pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, with the, if you throw with your non-dominant arm, yeah. you're really tight. If you throw with your dominant arm, and you're you know you've been throwing since you were a child, yeah, you have a lot of external rotation, so it looks natural. Ah, and, and Europeans don't throw that much unless they're a javelin thrower. Yeah, right. Right. So they play football. Uh, which is soccer for us, mm-hmm. and you know they ski, they do, but they don't have many throwing sports. Yeah, no baseball, no football. Yeah, baseball and football is kind of. I was going to ask you a question. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because I think climbing, coaching, and training like necessitates a facility in diagnosing body language. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, like, you see things as a long-time successful climbing coach that 99.9% of other people don't see in an athlete. Um, is that how that all was born? Just through your own trying to understand how your body works? Yeah, exactly. Like you didn't take any classes for it. You, it's no, there's just, no, there's no there, sports it, science in climbing. If you get a degree in sports science, uh, you know, basically what you're learning is like how to run, how to be agile for running. Um, there's very little, uh, science on, on upper body type athletics. So, you know, besides volleyball or swimming. Right. So, uh, most things, even now when I get, uh, you know, research, in my email, it's like, you know, 40 hour dash agility, you know, basketball, baseball stuff like that. So, uh, now, you know, it's a little bit better now where, um, there's some research on surfing. There's some research on judo. There's some research on MMA, you know, so it's, it's expanding. Uh, there's some research on climbing, you know, but it's not, you know, like football or track or Olympic weightlifting. (laughs) Right. Right. Ah, oh, that's super curious. All right. So, that's my uh, Keep going. but now, I mean, we're, we're getting uh, much more interest in climbing. And as most passionate climbers know, the Olympics are coming up in 2020 and uh, the climbing community is 
somewhat excited about that. Yeah. Maybe not the format, but uh, they're excited about climbing being in the Olympics. Did you hear about the 2024 format? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Ooh, so that's exciting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's cool. what everybody wants. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, it was, it was the Olympic committee, I guess, who yeah. decided on the, the number of medals and, and how that translated. And so the IFC, you know, made a decision. Yeah. It, people who don't understand climbing can just fuck it up so bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so easy. Okay. So, anyway, a side story. I took my dad to Morrison once and do you know who Brian Kimball is? Yeah. Brian's a crusher. Yeah. And uh, Brian was there uh, with this other guy whose name I can't remember, but that guy was a crusher too. Probably Jade. Yeah, Jade. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jade. And they're both doing like these, uh, you know, V10, V11, uh, you know, link ups. Weird eliminate link ups. Yeah. 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 And my dad's sitting there and he's like, I could probably do that. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> the classic. And I was like, you have no idea like how hard. Yeah. Yeah. What they're doing. You just have no idea how hard it is. And he was like, Psh. Did he try? I'm, I'm a little tougher than you. So did you put him on Brashear's crack and no, he, he, didn't even, he didn't even try. I uh, was just sitting there like, oh, just I sitting, do that. I'm pretty yeah. tired right now, but I don't want to try, but I'm sure I could. Yeah. yeah but totally. I'm so tired. If I had totally. another coffee, my dad was a classic uh, construction worker. So he had pretty skinny legs and a big belly. Oh yeah. So <laughs> sounds like Michigan. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Boulder V10 a- without ever touching rock in my life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. People don't know. Yeah. We've all had friends like that. Oh yeah. I've been that. I think we, I've been that person. I remember when I first started climbing, I went to my brother's gym and I was like, what's the, what's the hardest thing in this gym? Oh, dude? no. Put me on it. And he was like, uh, why don't you try this V0 over here? And I was like, all right, dude. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, are you sure that didn't have a one in front of it? <laughs> I don't know. I learned very quickly that like the, the, skill, the skill gap is serious. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> takes time. Yeah. And so you, you started climbing or you started training and coaching at Paradise, right? Yep. All right. Yeah. Talk so about I, that big dive. So I uh, became friends with Rob Pism. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Rob's an awesome uh, trad climber. He's an awesome climber, but he's an awesome trad climber in particular. Uh, I think he one of his uh, best climbs is called this uh, uh, severely overhanging, maybe 80-foot roof called Army of Darkness. It's oh. a 513 trad climb is holy shit yeah if you see a picture of it it's rad where is that uh i think it's indian creek indian creek yeah he's a badass yeah for all sure. the way around badass person badass climber yep rob's awesome and uh i saw rob lifting weights one day and i was like oh my god what's he <laughs> doing you know he's he's like doing classic bodybuilding stuff and uh and i was like dude you know why are you doing those lifts? And he was like, well, I don't know. That's what Mike told me to do. And our friend Mike lifts weights a lot. And uh, I was like, well, if you let me train you and you teach me how to climb better, I, I, I want to climb 512. If you can teach me how to climb, then you know we'll do a trade out. And uh, so I started training Rob and Rob is, you know, anyone who's met rob he's the most enthusiastic guy on the planet 
if you've ever gone climbing with him, anyone who's listening to this knows that Rob is just pulsating back and forth. His whole torso is moving <laughs> back and forth as he's driving. He's just so psyched. Yeah. No one is as psyched. He is stoked. As, yeah. He's completely <laughs> stoked. So, um, yeah. So he helped me uh, start, you know, learning how to climb. And I helped him, you know, get a little bit stronger. And he was so enthusiastic and other people were like, whoa, what are you guys doing? There's like, yeah. there's a fit ball and there's weights and there's rubber bands. And there's, I, you know, people just at that point had never seen like what we call functional training. So uh, other people became interested. And uh, so I, I just picked up this crew of uh, hard boulders who were interested in becoming stronger and, uh, yeah, we just went from there. It was fun. We did uh, at Paradise. For those of you who don't know, uh, Paradise had this very small area for training that was like uh, maybe 200 square feet or something. Size like of that. a living room. Yeah, it was small. So I would fit four people in there doing four different exercises, and we would go in a circuit format. Holy crap. And just go, and I would crush people. <laughs> crush. Like, like, uh, I, I don't do that at all now, <laughs> but back then in my mind, I was like, yeah, I, I have to like just hammer people yeah. and that's the way that they'll get better at climbing. And, <laughs> and it took me years to figure out that that was not, the <laughs> way. I remember watching that in like, um, really? when like, were you, like when were you working with Piz? Like 2000? Uh, 2003 to 2009, I think. Yeah. I yeah, remember, so for a long time. I mean, of course, seeing Piz in there and you working out Yeah, all up until 2005 and like two, until that place closed in like 06 or whatever. Yeah. I think, yeah. It, I think, uh, I never Paradise, joined that squad. That was too scary. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, it was scary. Like I bet. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't want to get crushed, dude. I just want to have fun. Well, it was such a it was such a tight little place too. It was like yeah. four of these kitchen tables. Oh my god! Very small area, and Dave's like lording over <laughs> these people who are like grunting and lifting, and the bouldering area is literally right next to it. Like yeah. if you take a really yeah. bad fall, you might fall on a dumbbell. <laughs> so you're just like watching these dudes. I'm like, I'm never doing you know, what I didn't even know what training was for climbing there, back then. Yeah. What's funny is there was a hilarious of. Uh, two summers in a row where Dave ran his own little, uh, get swole camp. Oh and yeah. He would set up I these like that. weights in a football field. Sure. And all these exercises and he would get a swole. Well, um, unfortunately all, we all dropped out of the injuries, but, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but Dave's got a background in wrestling. So you got a good athletic background. I would, done I went, a lot of training. I went through like three years of the university of Iowa wrestling, which like strength training program. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it was pretty good. That's the top tier. Yeah. For sure. Barfing every time yeah. after a workout with those guys, yeah, I would throw up Christ. every single time for three years. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think it, when I started doing this, I think that that's what I thought a good yeah. training session was. I think that's, yeah, that's kind of what it was back then though. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, I don't, I don't know much about the science or the uh, scholarly knowledge behind it, but it was like you work out, until you can't stand up straight anymore or you can't wash your hair. You know what yeah, I mean? Your arms yeah. are so tired. It's you can't wash sore, your hair. But you should feel fucking sore. <laughs> but to, to vomit 
after <laughs> a session is called exercise induced metabolic acidosis. <laughs> it is, it's not good for you. Oh, <laughs> it's not the dying. way that you should train. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we'll just have to agree <laughs> to disagree. sir. No. <laughs> so, yeah. so Dave, when you train your super high level climbers, what did, what is the main thing you work with with them? So when I work with anyone, uh, what I want to do very early on is see how they climb and make some initial subjective assessments. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll just be biased and say, uh, a young girl is going to have a hard time pulling. Okay. And I'll be biased and say an older guy is going to have tight hips. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm starting from is like, okay, I've got this person. Let me look at their hips. Let me see how they pull. And then once they, we climb a little bit more then I'm like, okay, uh, is this a timing issue? Is this a rhythm issue? Is this a finger strength issue? And then we do some testing. Mm-hmm. And so once I get testing, then I'm like, okay, actually, you know, like your fingers are strong, but you can't even come close to a front lever or, you, you know, your pulling strength is not that good. So your fingers are strong, but your shoulder girdle is not that strong. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, you've got amazing hip flexibility, but uh, you don't have very, you know, uh, a good pulling strength. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just depends. Everyone is yeah. totally different. So I have a subjective analysis early on and we're using video and we're looking at that and then i do a quantitative analysis so i use uh steve mace's like bouldering uh like you know what's your max boulder and what are uh the best boulders you know the the highest quantitative boulders that you can do four times consecutively yeah Mm. And the, the lattice uh, assessment is somewhat similar to that, but it's probably better because it's not a, a skill-based yeah. thing. It, it's you know it's very more objective. Yeah, it's a little bit more objective. Uh, <laughs> there is some skill involved mm-hmm. uh, climbing the lattice, but uh, it's much less than you know climbing boulders. So um, the assessment uh, that I do first is that Steve Mace assessment and that gives me a general idea but during that time i'm also doing video analysis and and we're talking Uh, about like how they move and you know different aspects of their climbing and then their second uh day that they train with me is like a a straight up like climbing strength assessment and uh there's this organization called the uh, international rock climbing research association and they did a study where there's lots of, uh, they, I think they did, had four universities test 200 climbers. Yeah. And so we have numbers from beginner, intermediate, advanced, and elite climbers. And I started using that. And what I found was that some of those numbers don't quite, um, they weren't very reliable for me. So all okay. my, all, just as an example, all the elite uh, women that I've worked with can do it, at least 20, 24 pull-ups. And for the, the uh, what's called the IRCRA, 
the Urkra numbers for elite women was like seven or eight pull-ups. What? Yeah. So I was like, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't really use these numbers. Yeah. So some of the numbers didn't quite work for me. And then I have some tests that I think are really important, like a hamstring test for uh, what we would call posterior chain. So just being able to hold yourself up on a, a overhang or on a roof, you know, you, you toe down onto this hold and you pull your hips up. You know, that's a lot of hamstring, hip strength. Most people call it core strength, but I, I would say it's posterior chain strength. So I have a test for that. And so, you know, after many years of testing people, yeah, I, I generally, you know, I, I have numbers for all the people that I work with. So yeah. we go through this climbing uh, test and I say, you know, here's your numbers based on uh, uh, beginner, intermediate, advanced, and elite climbers. Uh, I'm going to stop you real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when somebody trains with you, a part of your program is they get to understand all of that hard, all of those yeah. hard things that I don't understand that you just said, that's part of the program. Yeah, they're getting a, a comparative analysis for all of these movements that are are uh, normalized for beginner, intermediate, advanced, and elite climbers. So let's say uh, you're you know you've been climbing for a long time. So I'm just gonna be biased and say your finger strength is advanced elite. It's elite. Whatever is just slightly <laughs> beyond elite. Where's Dave yeah. Graham settle at? <laughs> I haven't tested Dave. Uh, Dave and I talked about doing some training, but uh, he went to Spain before <laughs> he, that happened. He had a wizard convention. He had to jet off. <laughs> like, man, there's yeah. some crystals out there. I yeah. gotta find them. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would be biased and say, you know, let's say your your finger strength is good. You're a wrestler. I'm sure your pulling strength is good. Um, maybe pull-ups are good for you, but mm -hmm. maybe a one-arm pronated lock-off oh is not good for you. So pronated, uh, for those of you who uh, can't see my hand, <laughs> pronated means that your palm is facing away from you, your thumb is toward the midline of your body. Uh, neutral means that you are uh, your hand is face the palm karate face, chop style yeah karate, karate chop. chop style supinated means that your thumb is out toward your your thumb. palm is facing you yeah your palm is facing you so a chin up is is supinated hands mm -hmm. a pull up is pronated hands so if you can do a pronated lock off with the one arm i'm in about 20 minutes i can hold that 20 minutes that's yeah. pretty 20 good. 20 27 <laughs> minutes yeah 27 minutes that's is, pretty was good. my all-time that's high. yeah uh, Incredible. I'm sorry, 27 seconds. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. If, if I could, if you did 27 seconds, I, that would be There is impressive. no way. I'm saying maybe four seconds. <laughs> if you could do, if you could just hold it, that would be impressive. Wow. All right. I mean, there's a chance, Dave, that I can't even do it at all. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I, I can tell you that most people can't do it. Most climbers, sorry, most climbers. Can't hold a lock off like that? On like, one arm and keeping your chin above the bar, most people can't do it. All right. I know. <laughs> I'm yeah. going home. Trying to... Every... <laughs> you both are going home. You're going to gonna fail. Try. No, next so time I see you, I'm just going to be like, Dave, Dave, Dave. Dave check Dave. this out. Uh, excuse me, client. Just one moment. <laughs> Let's go upstairs. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Excuse okay. me, Just send me a photo. <laughs> All right. I will. Yeah. My girlfriend's a graphic artist. We can Ooh. Photoshop something real good for you. <laughs> she should paint you doing it. 
Ooh. I would love in the nude. Painting. All right. We have your no. Christmas present, Dave. Anyway. <laughs> Excellent. So carry on. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> yeah, these strength uh, tests that are specific to climbing are pretty helpful mm-hmm. just to get us to understand where someone's at. And then, you know, we can pare down uh, kind of, let's say, the three basic exercises that they should focus on. You know, I think a lot of climbers do tons of core work, and I rarely find that uh, someone's core is the limiting factor. Yeah. Uh, All the research is like it's pulling capability, shoulder girdle strength, uh, forearm flexors, it's very unusual to to uh, see a you know core strength be a limiting factor for mm-hmm. someone. Usually, if it's uh, their core is not working, it's because it's a a coordinative issue. It's not a strength issue. It's a coordinative issue. So let's pause on that for a second because that's super interesting. Because everybody I know and probably everybody you know, Feedy like, is like, I gotta core. go, I, I gotta go core. do my core tonight. <laughs> I know. And they sit down and they, the they do their crunches, they yeah. do their planks, they do their uh, toe touches, you know, yeah. they do their antiquated sit ups. So, what would you say to somebody who's like spending 30 minutes three times a week doing that? What would, you, what would be maybe a better use of their time? Yeah, like five minutes. Doing five the minutes. Core. Yeah, I, I think most people do core because they want their core to look good, which is fine. But Every, still, everybody wants to look good. But I think uh, it's not as much of a, a performance issue. I think for double-digit climbers, uh, sorry, boulders who are climbing, you know, eight a and above, v eleven and above, you know, it becomes more of an issue. Uh, but for everybody else, you know, it's a little bit more like straight up pulling strength okay you know uh the the core issue uh tends to be coordinative and i worked with some pretty strong boulders and and route climbers and i've never found that their core strength was that much greater than mine wow which is not that impressive (laughs) (laughs) no i don't say i'm short that's amazing yeah so so that's one of the most overhyped things is the core what's like the most neglected i guess you kind of hamstrings hamstrings yeah that's that's madeline sorkin and i uh did a little bit of testing uh you probably do you know madeline her name sounds tremendously she's an amazing trad climber she's an amazing climber but she does some amazing trad ascents yeah was she in the real rock yeah she was in the newest one we interviewed her on climb talk a couple times yeah Madeline's awesome. She yeah. is super rad. funny and super smart and yep. uh, a rad climber. And uh, Madeline was like, God, you so, so much hamstring stuff. And I was like, yeah. I mean, if you want to hold tension, if you want to hold Daniel Woods type tension, and anybody who's watched Daniel knows that Daniel holds tension, I think, better than anyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. You need a lot of hamstring tension. You need a lot of posterior chain. So tension from your toe through your shoulder to your hand is super, super important. Mm-hmm. And so that's the backside of you. That's not the things that you look at in the mirror. That's not yeah. your abs. That's the stuff on the back. I find that no matter which direction I look in the mirror, I can't find my abs. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they're just they're Wait a minute. you're not alone am, babe. I looking, am i looking at the back side of me are those my shoulder blades what where are my abs i think you're looking at your butt man <laughs> look at my two abs they're huge um so how does somebody train their hamstrings in a, a like a climbing intensive way a climbing focused way yeah, uh, in a climbing focused way, it's uh, you know basically roof climbing or climbing in the cave at the gym, um, you know. And uh, I I would say the tricky part of this is that when you're climbing, you are either toe down, mm-hmm. which is uh, anatomically called plantar flexion, and if you are heel hooking, that is what we call dorsiflexion. So. I don't have a number on this, but I would say dorsiflexion happens, you know, 5% of the time or heel hooking happens, you know, maybe 10, 5% of the time mm-hmm. and uh, plantar flexion happens the majority of the time. So when you train uh, using a fitness ball, doing hamstring extensions, or if you are doing uh, a classic weightlifting exercise, it's called a Romanian deadlift, you know, you're trying to be a little bit more in a plantar flexion Romanian deadlift. You wouldn't be able to do plantar flexion. That would be dangerous and, <laughs> and weird looking. One, one, so, go ahead. I was going to say one time we climbed together, Dave, and you made me do some weird Bosu ball hammy stuff. And my hammies weren't right for, <laughs> <laughs> they were super sore. It was great. Hmm. Do you remember where? Oh, did I have you do some bridging? Yeah, with your it was it was incredible how on the Bosu ball. No, it was on my back and my my yeah. heel was on the Bosu ball, and I was essentially bringing in my heel to my like butt. Oh yeah, that's not a Bosu ball. That's a fit ball. Fit ball. Excuse the me. The Bosu ball is not a ball. You're right. It's, it's, it's like a, a half yeah. inflated thing, but it, but it doesn't move back and forth. But yeah. that exposed to me that like I totally always thought I had really strong hammies. Yeah. But it turns out normal hammies. <laughs> so, so do you th- <laughs> do you think people confuse that because uh, when you're in a roof and you're Jesus, I don't know what you called it, but you're front pointing with your toe, <laughs> yeah, uh, plantar flexion, plantar flexion. Um, you feel your core failing, your butt sags, you lose core tension, or what uh, the nomenclature would call core tension. So do you think that's why climbers are like, God, I got to work on my core, but it's actually planted in your hamstrings? I think, yeah, it's, it's starting with number one, knowing what your posture should be like, right? So if I'm batting and you're watching me, uh, you know, against a a pitcher Mm -hmm. and I'm just swinging, you're like, you know, you have to like straighten up. You got to drive off your back foot. Your front foot has to do this. You got to rotate here. Yeah. That's the, f- you know, obviously when, if uh, uh, somebody who's a bodybuilder looks at it, they're like, yeah, you need a lot of rotational strength mm-hmm. in your core. But a batting coach would say, well, you, you have to know how to swing the bat first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, you know how to, you need to know how to hold your posture when you're on a roof yeah. first then we see what the strength limitations are. So Ah. just like any other sport, like whether you're playing tennis or whatever sport it is, like you have to know what the motion pattern is first, how to hold your posture first, 
then we see if you actually have a strength deficit. It, it's not very common that people have a, a serious strength deficit, but you know, it does happen. I would say usually it's, it's a coordinative issue because I've worked with people from, you know, beginners through elite climbers. And once someone understands what to do, they can usually start yeah. to coordinate it. You know, if it's really finger intensive, well, tons of people don't have finger strength. Yeah. Tons of people don't have really good lockup strength, but most people have decent core strength. Most people have okay hamstring strength. Uh, hip mobility, that's a, a separate talk. So, you know, having good, like Fidi, I think you have really good hip oh. mobility. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Wow. Dave? Right, I've, I've right noticed as well, man. Dave, yes. I'm not sure about your <laughs> hip mobility. I, th I think I'm, I'm got some pretty svelte hips, if I Ooh, do say so myself. Really? Okay. I can swing well, uh, yeah. We could have a, a wrestler. Off. We should have a hip off tonight. Ooh. Wrestlers are pretty good at that. That's what controls a wrestler yeah. is hips. That's it. If you control a wrestler's hips, they're dead in the water. If your hips are free, yeah, I can see that you're going to control a match. Right. Ooh. Whoa. Let's anyway. pivot here. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and uh, Dave, have you ever worked with an athlete that you were just like, I, I honestly, I'm not sure where to go with you because you're, you're a, <laughs> a, a, one side of it is a, they're so just gifted or talented or whatever, or B, they're just, there's so much wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that when something like that happens, it's usually I, I fault myself for poor communication in some way. Yeah. Um, I would say everyone has some, you know, like fault in yeah. their game. Like nobody's perfect for sure. Uh, I, I think Daniel, in my mind, has like uh, perfect rock climbing skill set yeah uh you know competition skill set is a little bit different you know where yeah where there's a lot of parkourish type rhythm and timing involved and because american gyms uh, have historically not set yeah you know for that sort of competition set uh climbing that i think uh you know i think it's been hard for uh people who are strong like daniel who, who you know can oh yeah v16 no outside yeah but uh you know not you know place podium in uh nationals i mean mm -hmm. that's yeah we saw he was a seven time champion and then he's had kind yeah, of a ten time a ten champion, time champion. Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's just like the the shift in the the meta or the the way that comps are kind of set yeah highlight that weakness yeah, I mean, you know, for Daniel, I think in particular more than anybody else, it's been like, you know, his history has been, you know, like cats and, you know, like, can you grab this really small thing and pull really far, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, Daniel does that better than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, but the rhythm type parkour stuff, you know, is, is a little bit newer. And I think you just, you know, for Sean Bailey and, and Nathaniel <laughs> Coleman, you know, like they grew up a little bit more, uh, you know, having that sort of set mm -hmm. for them. So uh, there's an advantage for them doing that sort of stuff. I not, wanna... not saying that they're not strong because I, I, I am certain that, that Sean Bailey can boulder, you know, the highest grades and, and climb the hardest routes. 
I'm just saying that, you know, uh, Daniel, you know, grew up at a different time. Yeah. I want to piggyback on what you said too, Fidi, because so when you run into, when you're training an elite athlete and let's say somebody like Daniel, they have on like unimpeachable athletic movement on real rock. Yeah. Almost unimpeachable. There's always something you can work on, but there's one thing that especially neurotic climbers all share. And that's like the noodle. Like we all have our emotional or personality issues with climbing, whether it be fear of success or fear of failure. Do you address that stuff as a coach? Uh, I do. Um, I wouldn't say that that is my strong point. I, I would say people like Justin Shang are like that. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, the master at stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just to come back to Daniel for a second, when, when he and I worked together for a very short time period, we were mostly working on mobility and getting him into a better position. Like he, he didn't like, what am I going to show Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, Daniel, like, watch me climb this pole. <laughs> no, cause Daniel is the example that I use for everyone. Yeah. So, so, you know, a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times, like I'll pull up a video of Daniel <laughs> to show people. I'm like, look, this, this is how you hold tension. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is the example. Dave, right? uh, so Dave, when he comes to you, he's uh, like, hey, can you coach me? You're like, uh, uh. Dave, why are you yeah. showing me a video of myself? <laughs> right. like, this guy is amazing. Who is this? It's you. Daniel, it's you. <laughs> Ten years ago. <laughs> no, so Daniel, uh, so when we first started working together, it, uh, I think that he had just watched me working with some other climbers and was interested in like how to use the foam roller and how to get a little bit more mobility. Mm. And I think at that time his shoulders were starting to feel a little bit tweaky. And so we were just working Mm. on like opening up his shoulders and and doing stuff like that. And then uh, he went to Spain after that. And I think he he just got busy with life and, and I've seen him a couple of times. And he was like, yeah, I want to train again, but you know, he's just, yeah, he's, he's doing Daniel stuff and, and he's <laughs> outside a lot and I don't see him that often. That, so, I mean, it's, it's, but interesting. he's Daniel's got like his climbing IQ yeah. is like 10 points above everybody else. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear you say though, like, someone like Daniel who gives off this perception of like being this invincible boulder who can just put down anything is someone who also still will struggle with, you know, shoulder, shoulder tweaks and like little things like, well, I I should say that, uh, for anyone as they get better and better at climbing, they're going to create more imbalances, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're, we're, doing a mm-hmm. repeated motion pattern over and over. So if you're a cyclist or you're a runner at some point, you know, you're going to get an imbalance and you're going to have to address that. And so for climbers, uh, you know, we're pulling a lot. And so, uh, pulling tends to internally rotate and protract your shoulders. So, you know, that sort of gorilla look that, you know, is a caricature for most of us. Um, you know, that's a problem for most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say that anatomically, that's not 
always a problem. Some people have uh, poor looking posture, but they're okay. <laughs> yeah. They're okay because the shape of their scapula and the gap in their, uh, it's called their glenohumeral joint, but mm-hmm. your shoulder joint, uh, their gap is, is fine. So and those are the people that have all that extra skin on the back of their hands. So when their knuckles drag, when they're walking, <laughs> they don't bleed everywhere. Right. It's, you know, it, uh, there's a guy who is, uh, has a PhD in anatomy. So mm-hmm. he's an anatomist. Uh, he has posted pictures on, uh, lots of different bones. And so if you look at the scapula of, different people if yeah. you look at the pelvis of different people everyone's different obviously but if you look at the scapula of two separate people they both look like a scapula but their shape is very different mm-hmm. and so obviously the the connection of the rotator cuff muscles uh the gap you know at their ac joint is different so everyone's just going to be different mm-hmm. so uh you can't say that everyone you know, with their posture is this, or everyone should do this exercise. It's, you know, it's just relative. I've seen tons of people do tons of exercises that I would say, (laughs) I don't know about that. Like bench press. Yeah. You know, I would say is in my opinion, one of the worst exercises. Really? But I would say uh, when I was in Germany, I went to a, I was uh, working for the military at the time and there was a bench press competition and the guy who ran the competition was close to my age. He was probably 45 at the time. And this dude, it was huge. And he waited until people started falling out around 375 pounds. And he got (sighs) under the bar and warmed up with 375. And everybody else was like, what? All right, uh, we're going this, home now. <laughs> yeah, this dude was just amazing, and and for me to to think that anybody could bench like this guy at that age, I would never have guessed. How do your that, shoulders like withstand years of benching like that? It's just genetics. Genetics, yeah. yeah. I mean, he just had good position with his scapula and uh you know i don't know what his whole training regime was but uh sounds just like benching (laughs) well i mean obviously he did a a ton of benching but maybe he did uh, a lot of oppositional rows so i know uh no one's gonna know this person but ed Cohn is a a famous power lifter and ed Cohn had uh, uh all the power lifting uh pound for pound uh, mm-hmm. best uh, presses and, and best numbers for a long time. and uh, But Ed Cohn did uh, really, really heavy rows, like four or 500 pound rows. Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane to, to row that. <laughs> to do a bent over row with 400 pounds is... To be a good climber. That's insane. The apocalypse come. He would not be a good climber. But he would just <laughs> break the wall. He would be amazing on like V zero to V three. <laughs> it's like that nice five seven climb we were talking about earlier. Oh, I want to piggyback on Feedy one more time, and this is something that maybe listeners can listen to and take something away from. So, if somebody comes to you, a client comes to you, and they say, "I'm feeling pretty healthy right now. 
but I suffer like twice a year from tendonitis or tendinosis in the elbow. Mm-hmm. Or they say, oh, I got wonky shoulders when I'm like fully extended into a shoulder move. I can't reel it back in. I just have to fall. Like, how do you deal with a client who suffers from that stuff, but they still want to get stronger and climb at yeah. their peak. And when they're healthy, you'd never, ever know that. Right. So first thing is to look at their posture. So, uh, when people climb many times, people elevate their shoulders by their ears. So they're, they're climbing kind of this chicken wing uh-huh. sort of appearance. Um, so obviously that puts a lot more pressure when you're pulling down, that puts a lot of pressure on your elbows and on your AC joint or on your shoulder girdle. If you, if you're elevated, yeah, like yeah. This. their chin's kind of tucked in too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're climbing. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, it happens to almost everybody. So I think there's nobody out there who's a, a passionate climber who has not chicken winged before. Oh that, I mean, that just happens to every single day. Yeah. That's my so style. What do you even, <laughs> if you watch uh, the World Cup, like they're all in really good posture and they're doing amazing, it, from my perspective, until the very end. And they're starting to chicken wing. And you know that they know they shouldn't chicken wing, but there's Absolutely. nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Your your forearm flexors are just starting to fail, and so there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. So your your elbows start starting to fail. But some people climb like that because they don't know any better, and so for them, I'm looking at their posture first, looking at their climbing style first, because uh, I'll I'll just use a, a running analogy. If I have knee pain, non-traumatic knee pain, but I, I go running and I say, running hurts my knees. Mm-hmm then I need to know what you look like running. I can't tell you to do all these prescriptive uh, corrective exercises. You do 10 reps of this. And then you go run four miles and you're doing 1,500 steps per per mile and your running style is terrible. (laughs) Then, you know, I can't compensate for that. Mm -hmm. You can't do enough corrective exercises for poor mechanics. Yeah. So the first thing you have to look at is mechanics the, because you're doing a lot more climbing moves than you are rotator cuff exercises or shoulder exercises. You know, if we do three sets of 10, that does not equal one climbing session. So you have to fix your, your uh, climbing mechanics first. Second, then you say, okay, what is your issue? And then uh, do we have an oppositional issue? So sometimes if people have a golfer's elbow, then a neutral grip or hammer style curls mm-hmm. will help because you're developing the brachioradialis muscle. So that should oppose that golfer's elbow or vice versa. If you're uh, having, you know, tennis elbow, then, you know, you can do some forearm flexor type stuff or you can do some stretching. It just depends on what the person's issue is. So, but mechanics first, corrective exercises second. Dave, you're making me feel bad. Why? I have all these, you're, I'm all injured. <laughs> I have all these injuries and now I'm thinking I'm just a mechanical loser. <laughs> mechanical we're we're loser. both mechanical losers, dude. So here's a question. You want to get into some nuts and bolts? Is that okay? Sure. I got some questions for you. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the best things that climbers can, like ancillary things climbers can do outside of climbing to uh, remain healthy, stay fit? Like is weightlifting 
something that people should pursue. I hear climbers are always like, oh, I don't want to gain bulk, which means you don't know how to lift, maybe, probably. Yeah. Or yoga or Pilates or CrossFit. I mean, what are some of the best things climbers can do to like improve their climbing outside of the gym or the crag? Yeah. So the the first thing that I would say is that climbing is the most important thing for climbing performance. Yeah. As uh, I would say for any sport, uh, if you want to golf or tennis or ski, no matter what you want to do, you should learn how to do that sport and you need to perfect the motion of that sport first. Uh, the second part is supplementary resistance. So resistance is just resistance. So whether you're doing Pilates or yoga or weightlifting, in my mind, it's the same. Okay. Resistance is resistance. So anybody who has done yoga is going to listen to this and go, yeah, well, have you ever tried this pose? <laughs> because there's some really tough yeah. stuff in <laughs> yoga, right? If, yeah, if you sure. advance far enough. There's some really tough stuff in Pilates. And obviously, um, weightlifting is, uh, can be as hard as you want to make it. In my mind, the, the crux of the situation is, am I isolating muscles or am I getting co-contraction or am I getting tension? So, What uh, is co-contraction? Co-contraction is, uh, am I going to do a... a in bodybuilding, they would call it a concentration curl. Am I going to bend over and isolate my mm -hmm. bicep muscle mm -hmm. by uh, forcing my elbow to be fixed in this position like a preacher curl? Yeah. Yeah. Beach curl. Yeah, beach curl. So I'm going to fix my elbow and then curl. Mm -hmm. A long time ago at Paradise Rock Gym, I had a parent who asked me to teach her daughter how to isolate her biceps so that she could lock off. And my response was, I, I'm actually going to try to do the opposite of what you just said. And she was mortified by what I just said. And I was, I was like, so when you're climbing, you need tension from your hand to your toe. So there's all this co-contraction that all these muscles need to talk to one another. Yeah and build this chain of tension mm -hmm. instead of me uh, paying attention to a specific muscle. And that's the downfall of doing a bodybuilding type exercise. Mm. So if, I'm, if I wanna build my bicep strength, I would probably uh, do a better job at doing chin-ups than doing concentration curls. If, if I'm talking about climbing. Yeah. Because a, a chin up is going to involve my shoulder girdle. It's yeah. going to involve my lat muscle, involve my core a little bit. So it's not perfect, but I would say if I really want to develop my lock off strength, I should do, do some lock offs in uh, a <laughs> cave or yeah. on something overhanging, mm -hmm. right? I, I should do something that's specific to climbing. I shouldn't do a weightlifting exercise. So I, I think we have to separate climbing from supplementary exercise yeah. and supplementary exercise should be a supplement to your climbing, meaning that it should help your yeah. climbing. And that's why I don't do the throw up circuit <laughs> yeah, right. exercises anymore because my goal right now is to say, okay, what are you doing well? And what are you doing 
uh, where I, we need to change your coordination yeah. and let's focus on your coordination. And then once you got that, now maybe it is a strength issue. If, if yeah. you're moving correctly, but you still can't do it, it's possible that you're just not strong enough. Yeah. And, and, and of course that's going to happen from, you know, I guess we could group it into grades of three, you know, like V1 to V3, uh, V4 to V6, mm-hmm. you know, V7 to V9, you know, and up like that. Mm-hmm. And so you could say, you know, like there's a technical uh, pattern in this group of exercise or in this group of climbing. And then if you can't boulder, you know, V11, yeah. uh, but you're moving really well at V9, it's possible that you, you just don't have the strength yeah. that, or, you know, the power to do that. That is a, a great observation um, because so often at the gym, I meet these people who have been climbing for like four months and they're like, I got to go hangboard. <laughs> like it's yeah. the way I'm going to get better. So I need to go hangboard and yeah. I go work on my core, all these exercises. And it's like, You've been climbing for four months. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen overnight. Like all the stuff you're doing, maybe it's helping. And they maybe, don't believe it. They, yeah. they won't believe you. Exactly. Because their perception is uh, my forearms are killing me. So the most <laughs> common thing that I see is, is uh, let's say someone who's been climbing within three years. They almost all the time will come to me and say, I need some endurance. I'm fine with climbing. I don't need any technical advice. I just yeah. need some endurance. And you watch them climb and, and, you know, someone who's been climbing, you know, between one and three years doesn't have all the technical capabilities mm-hmm. that, that you would expect. So, you know, when I watch them, it, the help is when you video them and then you point out all these things, you know, like you didn't have rhythm from here to here. You, you stopped. And then you were looking for a long time. And while you were looking, your arms were flexed. Mm-hmm. This is taking energy, <laughs> right? Like you can't stand in this position with your arms flexed and your legs straight and expect to, to maximize your muscle efficiency, mm-hmm. right? So you have to learn the technique, not just technique, but you have to learn the tactics. Maybe your pacing is bad. Maybe your rhythm through, uh, you know, a rose move or, you know, coming into compression is not that good. You know, there's obviously there's a thousand mm-hmm. or a million, 40 million different moves. Or it, I, I work with some teenage girls and so everything is based on the power of 10. So this is V 10,000 or there's a, a million moves. Dave, you're a million years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the first thing, you know, for everyone in any sport is to learn the mechanics of the motion and then you have to address the physical activity mm-hmm. a- after that. So we all saw Andre's like visualization <laughs> techniques yeah. for the, I think the last two real rocks, um, every other sport at a professional level employs visualization. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you train your clients to perform? For sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the I, I next, I, I don't know if I would say visualization, but I would say, okay, let's look at all the moves. So I want you to to memorize. So for a more experienced climber, I always ask, okay, where's the crux? Okay, how do you do that? 
and then we we talk about it and i'm not saying that i'm right or they're wrong i'm asking how they're gonna do it mm -hmm. and then i'm asking okay where are you clipping from in all these moves because that's a tactic yeah I, i'm not gonna clip from this terrible crimp i'm gonna clip from there's if you do two more moves you have a good hold or yeah yeah or sometimes the good hold is below the clip mm -hmm. so it just depends you know so i'm like asking tell me all the clips that are all the holds that you're going to clip from and then i'm going to ask where the crux is and then i'm going to ask where are you going to go fast where are you going to go slow where are you going to relax you know how are you going to approach this thing and i think that's where someone who's a, a great uh, climber is really good as a coach mm. and uh, I am for those of you who've ever seen me climb I, I look like I'm a million years old <laughs> so <laughs> I am not a great climber uh, but um, I have worked with enough great climbers that I that I know yeah. pacing uh, and there is a, a technical uh, pacing strategy essentially if you are route climbing, not bouldering, but if you're route climbing, essentially the, the best total time that you could have is two seconds per move. Subtracting the clips, subtracting uh, if you shake out and rest. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if I have 45 moves, I'm going to start with 90 seconds. Okay. And now if I have eight clips, I'm going to add in 24 seconds because uh, I would say on average people take three seconds per clip mm -hmm. so now I'm at uh, 114 seconds right okay so um, 114 seconds so did you stop and shake uh, if we have it on video then we're going to subtract out your shake and then uh, how did you do after that so did you go fast through the easy section? Did you relax through the easy section? Did you go fast through the crux? Um, how did you approach this? So those are the tactical things that I look at. Yeah. And so, um, and then sometimes, you know, people stall when they get scared. Yeah. And, you know, that's just a thing. We all do. Yeah. Uh, no. I do. I meant yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> really good climbers, I would say, do not stall. Exactly. They, they, they go right through physical failure. Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. They, they, they're just making positive motion all the way through. And when they, they can't hold a hold, they fall. That, that's when they fall. Yeah. And I think for the rest of us, we're like, uh, <laughs> am I uh, going to be able yeah. to hold two or three points of contact and make this clip? And we do a little bit of mental gymnastics. Yes. And yeah. really good climbers are like, that's not part of their thought process. Yeah. They're like, we I'm going. Down. Yeah. They're just going. And then if they can't physically hold, they that's when they fall. Oh my God. That's a good lesson. Yeah. I mean, you see. You it's hard to do. It's, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. <laughs> Dave, I just want to say, based off what you were saying just now, uh, it's, it's interesting how I think some of the best coaches in the world and all sports are people who aren't necessarily the best athletes in those respective sports. You know, True. like you can look at MMA. There's a ton of coaches there yep. who 
were never competitors or never even high level if they did compete. Yeah. But they produce some of the highest quality athletes and and I don't I don't necessarily know I think I guess we talked about it earlier, but like yeah. you having to like really break down exactly what creates a good climber versus someone who's just has been doing it since they were before they could talk. Like, yeah, I think that that's uh, kind of what I was getting at earlier is that uh, if you learn a movement pattern of piano or baseball or wrestling or something at a very early age, then one of the things that helps you be very good at your sport is that you don't think about some of the technical aspects. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about the tactical aspect. How do I breathe? How uh, do I predict what my opponent is doing? How do I um, approach this from a pacing standpoint? Yeah. And I think that's really helpful if you are a really good climber and mm-hmm. you can transfer that information over to, uh, you know, your student or your, your you know, athlete. <clears throat> I think the technical aspect, um, I think that I have a little bit of an advantage in coaching because I'm so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> because I have to think about, I have to think about every movement. And when I'm warming up, I'm like, push with your feet, drive your hips, pull in this way, yeah, do it this way. And I, I'm not thinking of rhythm and pacing. I, I mean, I'm kind of thinking that, but I, I'm mostly thinking of technical things as I'm warming up. Yeah. And then as I go through the grades higher and higher, then I'm thinking, okay, now I'm thinking about breathing. Now I'm thinking about um, how I'm approaching this from a pacing standpoint or from a rhythm perspective uh, through this section. But I, I think that, uh, better climbers forget about all that stuff when they're 11, mm. you know, because they learned it so long ago yeah. and they just do it now. And that's great. That's why they can think about all these other things yeah. because they, they, they don't have to capacity. think. Of, yeah. They don't have to think about, uh, am I going to, uh, do three dimensional analysis? So, uh, Dave Graham talks about uh, climbing in four dimensions, meaning that, uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't mean in, in a mental perspective. I yeah, mean yeah. in a physical perspective. So let's say I have a, I'm just going to exaggerate and say, let's say you have a drop knee. And so your right foot is pressing horizontally. Your left foot is pressing vertically down. Mm-hmm. Your left hand is pulling upward and your right hand is pulling sideways. Mm-hmm. That, that's four separate, uh, or your right hand is gastoning, something mm-hmm. like that. Or, you know, you're, you're, you have four different directions that your body is working in. That's a very complex, yeah. right? Yeah. And so how do I move out of this position? How do I create tension out of this position? Uh, you know, so I would say, you know, as a, V7, or uh, uh, sorry, a 5-7 climber is one-dimensional analysis. I'm pulling mm-hmm. with my one hand and I'm stepping up. A uh, 5-11 climber has maybe two-dimensional analysis. So I'm going to 
pull with my left foot and my right hand to reach up for this climb or for this next minute. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's say a, a V8 climber has three dimensions. I'm, I'm going to heel hook here. I'm going to side pull here and I'm going to pull directly straight down with this hand to reach up. And a V11, V12 climber is going to have four dimensions or a 514C climber is going to have four dimensions mm -hmm. where they're doing lots of different things. I got to let go and clip this thing, but I have all these oh different God, directions yeah. that I'm, you know, uh, oh creating God. tension. In. Complicated. Yeah. It becomes more complicated. And so from a, a beginner, intermediate, advanced standpoint, the first thought is always like, how do I get stronger? And that's, you know, undeniably, that's the first question that everyone that I work with comes to me with. <laughs> like, I need to get stronger. And so I need to, to watch them climb. And that's why uh, my background is as a strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. And so uh, at some point, I'm like, well, <laughs> everything that I know as a, a strength and conditioning coach doesn't translate to climbing because it's all agility, Olympic lifting, power lifting, you know, <laughs> that it's, it's not translating to, to climbing. So I have to know about climbing. Yeah. And then now once I know about climbing, like, and I know about strength and conditioning, now I can say, okay, like finally we've got this coordinative pattern. We've worked on you doing a Gaston and then you're going to come into this, uh, next hold with good rhythm and then you've got a compression you know how to do it mm -hmm. but you can't do it yeah because you're not strong enough this way yeah you know so, i think it's a great point like i think of uh there's some athletes who never became coaches and you're just like wow why not like i think of alan iverson yeah right or barry sanders totally such and i know climbers don't like ball sports so just bear with me for a second <laughs> yeah. but they're such intuitive athletes Absolutely. I mean, they're artists Yeah, painting on a canvas without any thought, just it's exactly just free form athleticism. Yeah. They aren't thinking about it. They could never translate that to a student I, or a client. I think the, if climbers are, are listening to this, uh, watch Adam Andra and, uh, Chris Sharma both climb Ladura Dura. Yeah, and I, think I you'll, love you'll that see, video. Yeah, you'll just see the the most amazing, uh, you know, difference in technique between yes. two climbers climbing at a high level. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's what makes Adam the best climber yeah. there is <laughs> in you the know, world because he he's not just a good technical climber; he's a good tactical climber. He's so tactical. Yeah, he's so fucking Beach. fast. Right. He's the fastest climber I've ever seen in my entire life. But he's also, the, the, uh, you know, for a, a man, the most technical. Well, the thing about when you see Adam Andre climb, when he jabs out to like a Gaston, you never, ever see him readjust. Right. He doesn't like do that bump. Yeah. He's just hits it perfectly onto the next hold. Yeah. I just. And it, I think there, there are a ton of uh, female climbers who are amazing technical climbers mm -hmm. but you know uh, the female gender just isn't going to have the same physical upper body strength as a male watching did you watch any of the espn coverage of like the mixed 
comp or the bouldering bouldering nationals did you watch that yeah i did watch uh, the females competition was so much better than the males i thought yeah it, they're just to me they seem to be way better technicians they seem like a, they have a step yeah. up on the men right now yeah. Yeah. in an international sense the women yeah. i don't know if i'm right or not we'll find out in two years but yeah. or one year super psyched to see alex johnson crushing yeah that was awesome that was amazing holy shit out of i didn't even know she was competing she's so cool <laughs> yeah she's pretty good well hey, let's do a segue here real quick um the olympics are coming up i have to look at this um the usa united states seems to be well behind other countries as far as the team aspect like japan especially uh, Germany, Russia, and speed climbing. What can the United States do to like bridge that gap in a in a coaching way, right? In in some USA coaching, I don't, is it a feeder system that we need to develop? Is it? Um, I have no idea. It seems like we're way behind the international scene in the United States, and I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think uh, Peter Beal. And uh, Daniel Woods uh, did an interview about this uh, some years ago, but basically, you know, uh, part of it comes down to gym setting. So we, we typically don't have competition style setting in most gyms. So now movement has uh, built, you know, the rhino. Yeah. The, well, they have the, the rhino gym and, the, the gym in Rhino or Denver and the, the suburban neighborhood. Of, we we of talk Denver about it all is, the time. Rhino. Right? <laughs> so, uh, Rhino has, you know, a lot of comp style setting. Yeah. And so, you know, that's helpful. But uh, prior to that, you know, uh, most gyms set for the general community mm -hmm. and they're not setting for competition style climbing. Uh, I spent, three years in Germany from 2012 to 2015 and they not everywhere in the gym, but uh, a fair portion of all their gyms have comp style settings. So, you know, that's one difference is just, you know, all the public gyms having a comp style setting so that uh, whoever's a competitor can experience that kind of setting style. Is that because they have setters that are trained that way? or because they're trying to train their athletes to kind of come up with uh, competition in mind? Like, why aren't, why, why aren't we doing that here? I would say yes. To both of those? To both yeah, of those. Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah, so uh, I think we, we just lagged behind because we, we placed a little bit more emphasis on outdoor rock climbing. Thank God. So, like, you know, can you grab this small hold and pull for a long distance? Okay. Uh, you know, but as competition climbing became a little bit more uh, of a, you know, big deal, I guess I would say, then uh, competition style setting became a little bit more important. So I think uh, most of the gyms are setting to that sort of way. And I think uh, now we have a, a lot of setters who grew up climbing and they have competition experience and they can set for that. You know, whereas, you know, when you and I 
Uh, oh, that's sorry, yeah. Dave. When Dave and I started <laughs> climbing, you know, all the setters were really good outdoor rock climbers. Mm-hmm. And now we have a good, uh, like cr- Royal Robbins. When we started, <laughs> it was Royal Robin. Leighton Core was setting. <laughs> well, when I started climbing, I guess, you know, like I said, uh, rocks hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> that's right. So dirt was still. Yeah, that's still, true. Yeah. That's a really good point. Dirt was the only thing available. <laughs> Just rolling in it. Yeah. <laughs> uphill. Though. I had to you build just my own rocks. Oh my God. It was a long, long Dave time ago. created rock climbing. Yeah. Well, I swam out of the ocean <laughs> and resected <laughs> my tail. So, anyway, um, <laughs> I think that uh, European coaches um, have just more experience with the World Cup style setting. And they were more experienced with rhythm and timing and that parkour style, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I shouldn't say European because Asia, uh, Koreans, Japanese, uh, pretty soon Chinese will do really well. Yeah. The uh, Japanese team seems to be just like owning it right no, now, at least in bouldering. Koreans, Koreans Col- yeah. Koreans as well. Crush. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, Number one, they have an indoor climbing culture, mm-hmm. and that's part of it. And um, I guess one thing that Paradise Rock Gym used to do well <laughs> that I would like to see come back, and I know it's not going to come back, but I would like to see come back, is a spray wall. I miss the spray walls. What's a spray wall? It's, where it's just oh, a bunch of random Dave, holes in every bottle. Rhino has one. It's oh, just not very good. I always call that like a session wall. But I know what a spray wall is. Dave. Dave. You guys. Dave. You guys. You call yourself this is a old Dave? school. I'm from Iowa. I'm talking about old school. <laughs> yes, climbing. I know what you're talking about. So, Why do you have to shame me? <laughs> so what Paradise used to do was they would have a comp, uh, and part of the comp was bouldering. And when the new bouldering routes would go up, uh, bouldering problems. They would, uh, that section of the wall would be blank except for the boulders. Yeah. And then as the weeks went on, they would add new problems. And then as everything got old, then they would just spray the wall with tons of holds everywhere. And then you could just make up anything you wanted. Yes. I'd like to see that come back. I never see that in the gym anymore, Rhino man. That's an one. old school. Th- that's like yeah. an old school thing. Is like you get your pointer out, you say here, 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 yeah. here, go. Okay, I've movement. Rhino has one. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and also the moonboard kind of can do that. That's true. One of some of my favorite climbing memories in the past, most recent years, have been like going to friends' garages and just sessioning on a moonboard, and you can actually create roots you can yeah. light up the paths and it's yeah. fun to have everyone try yeah and, like, that's try right add on. but i would like to see a, uh, a spray wall on different angles yeah not just, not just. A, a specific angle yeah i lived in korea for three that's years right. and uh, and that is a huge everybody climbs in the gym it's like yeah. uh <sighs> pick up basketball in america like everybody dribbles and goes out to the court and shoots hoops wow everybody fucking climbs indoors and the whole walls are it's just all spray wall there holds everywhere every bolt hole is dedicated to a hold yeah and you have guys with their like four foot pointer stick yeah whether you want to do a route that's already there or not they're like no no 
Yeah. Here, here, uh, here, here. Go. Uh, this is the way we do it. Do you it. follow uh, Stephen Jeffrey on uh, yeah. social media? Mm-hmm. His, I think his home gym is just a, a massive spray wall. It's awesome. Yeah. It, yeah, it looks like a, a Japanese bouldering gym. Yeah, that's what those it's gyms rad. are like. They're very, very small. There's very few like super high, tall. I mean, there's nothing like movement or an earth treks or any or a touchstone. Mm-hmm. They're all like basement gyms yeah. where you just torture yourself in there. Where where I was in Germany, uh, most of the gyms were bouldering gyms. Yeah. And they were rad. They're the like best. Cafe Craft, Boulderveld. And my favorite was E4. Just yeah. chalky, wonderful places. At yeah. least that's what they were yeah. over there. Great setting, though. Great setting and huge bouldering gyms, like, um, like our like Rhino. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. There's nothing like. I mean, Korea's pretty tight. <laughs> like, if you're in Seoul, there's not a whole lot of real estate to take care yeah. of. Um, were you gonna ask a question? You can go. No. Um, I have a question about. This seems weird to me. There's, if you want to become a climbing coach, you put a name tag on your chest and say, I'm a climbing coach. I was a climbing coach. So I can, well, if you want to be a USA climbing coach, I'm just talking a climbing coach. Yeah. Why isn't there any gym? Then, then that's different. But if you want to be a USA climbing certified coach, then there's a certification process. Yeah. Okay. That was my question. Yeah. Because every other, if you're going to be a coach in like physical fitness or kinesiology or whatever you're going to do, you mm-hmm. need to pass your certifications. Whereas I know a lot of climbing coaches and they're just like, I'm a climbing coach now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. And God bless them, by the way. They're great. Yeah. I'm so so let, let's, you know, distinguish between fitness and athletic. So uh, fitness is, you know, like I'm going to exercise and exercise isn't really a sport crossfit is trying to make it a sport but <laughs> yeah but i'm just gonna say it's espn not. espn two o'clock in the morning it's it's a sport all right yeah um and uh tennis and climbing and skiing and things like that have an actual like specific technique you know where you need to uh, learn how to do this motion pattern mm-hmm. right so um somebody who goes to get their three-day, you know, certification in fitness is not qualified to teach any sport. Mm -hmm. They're only qualified to teach the motion patterns that they know. Mm -hmm. And uh, at least for general fitness, uh, you know, they're supposed to have a background in, um, you know, people who have heart disease are at risk for this. People who have type 2 diabetes are at risk for this. People who are older have a risk for this. Um, but they don't necessarily translate all that information into athletic motion patterns. So the benefit of being a strength and conditioning coach is that our background is in watching or knowing motion pattern and applying strength to motion pattern. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for us, movement is first strength, uh, is second. You have any final questions? I have one final question. It's all you, Dave, 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 Dave. <laughs> you always hear teachers that say my student became a teacher. <laughs> I'm so proud. Have you ever had a client wow. that has become a climbing coach? 
Rob Pism is a coach in uh, Grand Junction. Boom! Um, I hoped I was hoping that one wouldn't fail. I was hoping you said no. I've, I... <laughs> and Mercedes Palmire is a coach at uh, Seattle Bouldering, Bouldering Project. Yeah, she was on Training Beta podcast not too long ago. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Flannery Shane Nemero. Oh, I just a, saw her the other day. Yeah. Where is she? She she travels and sets at different gyms, but she also does some coaching. Awesome. Yeah. Um, do I have anybody else? That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't. I know there's other people, but um, yeah. Can I? Can I? How do I get Dave Ball certified? You got to you just work out until you yeah, puke. Yeah, you got to stay with the program for a while. Oh not not uh two sessions, Feedy. Feedy, is that what you did? You just did two sessions with Dave and then you walked away. I don't know why Dave would yeah. say that cuz we've never had <laughs> <laughs> We did, we had zero sessions yet so far. <laughs> um thanks for letting us into your house, dude. Oh my god. Thank you guys so thanks much. Thanks for the whiskey. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm everyone except Feedy finished their whiskey. I was scared, Dave. <laughs> He's on an empty stomach. <laughs> I'm being responsible. Mm. It was oh, delicious, though. I don't know if not finishing your whiskey if is responsible. Boom, clowns, get to the gym. That's all there is to it. You know what? <clears throat> I'm going to go. I'm calling Dave right now. At this here. exact moment? Well, this is going to make for a super fucking awkward outro, bro. <laughs> Maybe not right now, but yeah, I want to work with Dave, man. I I just feel like anybody who's struggling with their climbing or has like questions could learn so much from like one session. He'll just be like, "This you thought this whole time this was your flaw? You're so you're so, you're so stupid. Wrong. Why are you so stupid?" Um, <laughs> my two favorite parts of that yeah. was that your quote unquote weak core. May not be your limiting factor. That might not be the factor that's limiting you. You know what's funny about that was like, in the I think in the back of my mind, I've always kind of had questions about like people's core stuff because it's like when you're climbing, like as Dave explained, you're you're the way you're generating force onto footholds on an overhanging roof. It's mm-hmm. all coming mm-hmm. from like the extension of your back and your your hamstrings. Like you're yeah. pushing. it's not like you squeezing your your body inwards almost. Like there's situations where obviously you're gonna need that kind of movement, but like for the most part, it's like it's a different muscle group than what people yeah. lump into core, like what they think core is. So that was super interesting. Yeah, they talk about like um, Dave didn't talk about this, but I fucking hope he knows it. Um, of course he does. But like uh, an entry level climber will say, "What propels you upward?" And they'll be like, "Your feet." Yeah, your feet don't propel you upward. Yeah, it's kind of like your your knees and your mm-hmm. qu- your hammies do, Shots and they control hammies. like your hips. Your feet like control your hips. It yeah. controls like where you're going, not if you're going up. Like it's not powering you. I love that. That was so informative to me. And the other part that I loved is when he said that Chris Sharma yeah. might be yeah, the most talented climber ever, but Adam Andre, like the most yeah. raw raw talent. physical talent. Yeah, but. 
Adam Andres, the most obviously yeah. the best climber in the world because he employs all those tactics. This is like fucking fascinating, yeah, man. I, I super loved it. it. Super into it. I also like that he was, uh, Dave said how someone who his job as a living is to coach people in climbing primarily said that the best way to get better at climbing isn't to like grind out on the hangboard or like do crazy campus ring sessions campusing climb it was baby to just fucking climb oh, and that, dude, that that's like music advice. to my ears dude. that's advice that <laughs> so many people just need to hear like because it's just don't get don't get obsessed with with like building your numbers when like you're neglecting actually climbing yeah because you're climb. worse at climbing climb brah climb bro i taught taste bro um, what else, timing? Dave? What else do we got? Well, we should say, first of all, or second of all, congratulations to Chai and Jimmy and Alex and the whole, the whole gang crew, yeah. for a climbing movie winning an Oscar, That's pretty bro. sick. That was pretty sick. I think Jason Kale's going to win a Grammy next. I, what the f- Like, what's going on here? What's like the podcast Oscar equivalent? Because uh, I know, I, I know. I already have my tux. Whoa. Yeah. How much did you spend on it? Like uh, $700. How are you going to pay rent this month? I don't. I'm not. I. I. This is honestly to good, be undecided. It's a good if you could send me like your. Well, maybe we can share them. I'll go up on stage first, <laughs> and I'll be like, "Oh, I got pee," and I'll and then, run yeah. back, and then we'll switch it out real quick. Dude, that's gonna be really smooth and not take a long time at all. Well, I don't think there's anybody goes to the podcast awards mm-hmm. yet. Maybe we should start the Thunder Clean Podcast Awards. <laughs> we, we just, <laughs> just run done. the table, <laughs> and the winner for best hosts. Thunderclean <laughs> again. again. Well, I, you'd probably have to get a. I don't think we oh, can pull that. You, you, I did. Yeah. Yeah, it's host, by the way, because I'm getting fired. Remember? Yeah. Hey, you're taking it really well, though. I appreciate that. I'm like, not actually. I'm not. After this is over, I'm going to beat you to within an inch of your life, um, and then we'll see where that goes. Well, and that you can consider long, that tra- going to be a long episode. Then, <laughs> you can consider that training for Cedar. <laughs> Thank you. Um. <laughs> So that was a long interview, a super uh, informative and fun interview. We want to thank Dave Wall. Yeah. If um, you're in the Denver metro area, even in Colorado, really, mm-hmm. um, check him out. You can find him at Movement Climbing <laughs> G- Climbing and Fitness. He's literally at a movement um, every day of the week. So <laughs> exactly. That's his office. So we'll take care of uh, some other stuff here. As always, if you have any feedback... If you'd like to write for Thundercling, yeah. if you have comments, get a hold of us at thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And I, I, w- I would love to shout out to all the people who I know have come up to me and talked to me over the past few months about how they've listened and are enjoying it and giving me really awesome feedback. Uh, Robert Daniel is one of them. Shout out to Robert. Shabber. Shabber. Robert. Ryan at Movement. and Thanks, Ryan. I love you. And um, who else? Yeah. I, uh, I'm oh, so, that was great. All two uh, of those people get the shout out. Wow. Thank you to our two listeners. Yeah. No, the numbers have been um, really coming up recently. And we sincerely want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day and choosing the Thundercling podcast to listen to. Yes. It means a lot. Um, we are also on Instagram. We're on kind of on Facebook, <laughs> if that's still a thing. So you can check us out there. Um and remember, if you have some time, if you have the inkling to do it, rate and review us on iTunes. Yes. It really does go. It's the most um, helpful. Thundercling Nation needs to grow. It's the most helpful thing you guys could do for us. So if you have the time, um, go ahead and click them buttons. And if you don't have the time, it's, totally it's all good, it's man. All good, it's man. all good. It's all good, man. It's all good. Okay, bye.
Oh, is that it? Uh, oh, you're the fucking host now. Take I'm it over. Host, yeah, yeah. Do, um, do your outro. Thank you for tuning in to the Thundercling podcast. And now we're changing channels to... Wow, ladies and gentlemen, your new host. I quit. I quit. <laughs> Say, man, come on. Play it. All right. So you don't like to train all day. Makes your pubic hairs turn gray. I got a little advice for you. Find a coach that's a million years old. Dave Wall. I mean sandwiches <laughs> made with cheese and ham and mayo and Snickers. Dave, oh, he's bald. He don't have no skin hair. Dave, oh, he's a power lift on the airborne Mediterranean machine coach extraordinaire. Come on, man, get on that campus boy. Get on that. Don't do no crunches, you stupid, stupid idiot. Don't do it. Stop playing, I can't do anymore. <laughs>